Hi, this is Cliff Click, and welcome to today's podcast on the two hardest problems in computer science, the naming of names, the invalidating of caches, and counting by one. Okay, all jokes aside, you know, why is invalidating caches interesting or important and hard? And, and I guess I'll touch the first two really quickly because they're easy. Um, I think counting by one is easy because we actually have lots and lots and lots of different things we're counting by ones on, and they're often very similar, you know, closely related to each other, but with some slight shift in this or that. I'm counting, um, you know, trading days in the stock market versus actual days, plus or minus holidays, plus or minus like the day after Thanksgiving, which in some uh, some places the, the exchange is open, but the amount traded is so low it might as well be closed. And in some places it's just a normal active trading day. So, you know, there's a whole lot of off by ones that are possible in just everyday life. And I think that shows up in everyday computers, uh, you know, programming as well. As for the naming of names, you know, I'm a, I'm a hardcore introvert and you know, my creativity is in the, the wandering through the fields of logics and maths that are computer programming and, you know, mapping the, the real world problems to what can be done inside of a computer language and then back out to the real world. And they're not in the creativity of a useful name. So I have some, some you know, names that I, I quickly pick on for certain things. If I'm doing iterators over some sort of basic whatever array of whatevers, um, I always pick IJK for the nested iteration loops straight from the old Fortran days. It has nothing to do with Fortran anymore, but it's just a standard, this is a dumbass iterator, it has no semantic meaning beyond being the ith, jth, kth element of whatever. Um, if I'm doing function calls that are uncommon and or complicated, they usually get a pretty hefty name. If I'm doing function calls that are intended to be you know, high volume, high count accessors, the name tends to be short because I don't want to type it over and over and over again. And it becomes hard to read code where the code is full of giantly long names that are called all the time. It's hard to see the logic for just the text blobs of names. So, so enough on names and counting by one. Let me talk for a minute about you know, single source of truth and the invalidating of caches. So there, there's this concept called single source of truth. It's sort of the data version of, you know, don't repeat yourself, which is the code version of, you know, don't do cut and paste. So, so why do I care about a single source of truth and, and what does it mean? So it, it's really saying that if I have multiple versions of the same piece of information, um, they can get out of sync. And when they do, I typically get sort of low frequency bugs that are really hard to diagnose. Basically, if I update one, I'm supposed to update the other, and that's a caching problem. And the, the trick with the single source of truth is that if you don't follow that principle from the get-go, it's easy to get multiple copies of the same piece of data and have updates not get properly propagated around, and you don't even know you have a problem yet. And it's much, much later you begin to discover that Somebody changed X, but it didn't get over to Y because Y had a version of it that was squirreled away in some other kind of format. So common scenarios would be I updated it once in the database, but I have a copy in memory. And if I'm running multi-threaded programs, I might have copies locally in caches or in machine registers that differ from the ones in memory or in the database on disk. If I have it in a database, maybe it's different in a process, this process versus that process some data entry operators changing it on the database version 
and the active running website that some person is like pulling up stuff on doesn't get that version. They get the version that's cached on their on their machine. And then if somebody else takes this and stores it somewhere else into some other persistent disk storage, you know, the, the out-of-dateness and the staleness propagate. And what's really going on is you haven't acknowledged that you have a, a single, you need to have a single source of truth. And every time you make a copy of that data, you make a caching problem and you need to follow it up by having a caching, you know, thinking. You need to say, this is a cache. Caches have uh, an invalidation protocol. They have a thing that you poke at to say, this is no longer valid, however it is, and go fetch again the valid copy. And the, the, you know, the right way to start this problem is not to say, go get from X or Y or Z. It's go to the cache for X, Y, or Z and have it go get from the single source of truth. And the updates happen in one path, but the fetches happen through a caching path, which can then you know, keep you up to date. And the, the, you know, the, the, the failure to do so here leads into all kinds of really grotty bugs. Closely related to the single source of truth notion is the observation that people often end up making uh, copies of data because they're changing the format of the data. So they got some data from XML over the wire. It's landing in a network buffer. They have to parse the XML. Um, maybe from their point of view, the single source of truth is a network buffer. You know, the original incoming, sorry, it is a network buffer, but that's a very inconvenient uh, uh, thing to use. So they want to convert it to, an, uh, you know, from a pile of text into an XML structure document. And then somebody else discovered that's wildly inefficient. So they want to go to a DOM or some sort of, you know, Java objects. Um, to hold the data, and they have a more efficient version. And when the new one shows up over the wire again, they have to you know, rebuild the new version and store it somewhere. And now you need to make a decision about what your single source of truth is and what an efficient copy looks like, or one that's smaller in footprint, or faster access, or is indexed in other ways. And again, while it seems like you know, the obvious thing is I'll just go and, and make a copy of this thing and hang on to the efficient version, if an update shows up, you'll never get it, and you're again stale. And the right answer goes right back to have a caching layer that holds, for instance, a cached efficient version or a cached indexed version of the original data. Maybe you don't want to have a network packet as your single source of truth. That makes sense. Do your transformations on it to get it to a format you love to hang on to. Declare that version the single source of truth and squirrel it away. But if you need to be able to index it a different way or have just subsets or subslices and you need to go do some work to go fetch them, go through a caching layer, keep that single source of truth you know, single, and you'll avoid all kinds of bugs. Okay, I think I've, I've whaled on this problem long enough for now. Um, you know, pay attention to all the copies of the data you make in the world. There's a real cost to them, not just in speed and memory, but in bugs that are allowed because you have multiple copies. And, uh, you know, know that you probably need a caching layer somewhere in there and figure out when and where it needs to be invalidated. Uh, this is Cliff Click um, promoting a single source of truth somewhere on the Internet. Um, have a great day. Bye-bye.